I often like to reverse that to who do you think your audience is? How old are they? You know, where are they based? What are their interests? What's their education level? And if you kind of come up with a, a bit like what you do when you're doing a marketing campaign, you're trying to decide who you're speaking to here. Think of one person you're speaking to and who would go down the best with them. And that's kind of who you want to focus on. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Are you considering recording an audiobook? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today show. At the time of recording this episode, I'm actually thinking about recording my next audiobook, which is based on a parenting book that I'm finalizing at the moment. Over the past few years, I've recorded several audiobooks. And it's a fantastic way of selling more books because people these days like to consume books on their phone or on the tablet, in the car, in the gym, and on the go. So if you have any books, I'd encourage you to turn it into an audiobook because you will see an increase in book sales. Now that said, turning an audiobook or creating an audiobook is a bit of work. The first audiobook that I created was one that I narrated myself. It's The Art of Non-Fiction Writing. And it took me a couple of weeks to narrate it because I was doing a part-time alongside working a day job as a copywriter. And I had to prepare the room for narration by dampening the sound in the room, by putting towels on the desk, by buying a good mic, by recording test audio and sending it to an audio engineer or producer who cleaned it up for me. It was about 50,000 words, that book. And between all in all, editing, narrating, re-editing, I think it took two or three months before I got the book live. Second time around, I wanted to do a bit faster. So I hired a narrator on ACX, which is Audible's service for finding narrators. Uh, Basically, I was sent demos where different narrators pitched themselves with a quote and recorded a sample chapter from the book. And I was shocked by the variation in quality and standard of the different demos. So it took quite some time for me to figure out which narrator to go with. And then, of course, I had to pick somebody that I could afford to work with. Now, the advantage of doing this was that it was all managed through ACX and that the narrator created something that was compliant with the ACX platform. And I was able to get it live on Audible that bit faster. The downside was working within the ACX platform was quite a bit more expensive. It cost me well over a thousand euro uh, to or dollars, if you're listening in the US, to record my audiobook or to commission to record it in my audiobook versus editing it myself. So consider if you want to record your book yourself versus hiring somebody else. Now, if you've written fiction, it's quite a job to record an audiobook yourself because you've got all the characters' voices to think of. You've got all of their accents. And you have to differentiate how people sound so it's more pleasing and entertaining for the listener. Whereas if you've written nonfiction, which is what I write, it's a lot easier because while you understand what the piece is about, probably doesn't really have as many characters in it. And you can, you know, read directly from your manuscript. My other key tip is to make sure that you're working with something that's as final as possible. Because when you're reading something out loud, the last thing you want to be doing is jumping back into your manuscript and making changes. But that said, you will want to make changes because when you're narrating, you will naturally hear something that sounds different to the way you intended it when you wrote that manuscript. Now, with all of that said, I wanted to speak to an expert about creating an audiobook to see what mistakes I made with my last audiobook and how I can fix them the next time around. So I recently caught up with Al Black of Voquent Media. His service helps authors find professional narrators audio engineers, and so on, and get their audiobooks ready for publication. I started by asking Al about whether or not it's a good idea to create an audiobook today, and then we get into a step-by-step process of how you can take your final draft and turn it into an audiobook that you're happy to publish. But before we get over to this week's show, if you find it helpful or informative in any way, please consider leaving a short review on iTunes 
Overcast, Stitcher, or even sharing the show because more reviews and more ratings will help more people find the show. And secondly, if you really, really enjoy it, you can become a Patreon and support the show by clicking on the link in the show notes. For just a couple of dollars a month, I'll give you discounts on my writing books, writing courses, and writing software, depending on what tier you take out. Now that said, let's go over to this week's interview with Al. Well, first of all, I'm Al Black. I'm the co-founder of Voquint.com. We are an online voiceover platform. We represent thousands of professional voice actors worldwide. We predominantly work in the business and entertainment sectors, to be honest. But after seeing a growing trend in the audiobook industry, we've really seen a, a huge surge in, in, in requirements from authors to get their books turned into audiobooks. I think there's a number of reasons behind that. I mean, obviously... Uh, everybody kind of has this feeling that it's a growing industry, but the fact I've looked up some statistics, and from what I can gather, it's worth about three billion US dollars just now in, in America, and uh, the American Audio Publishers Association expects that to grow about twenty four percent year on year until twenty twenty seven. Now, a lot of writers might think, well, so what? You know, I prefer to write, uh, you know, proper books. I think the, the the problem with that mindset is that. It ignores the kind of growing trend among younger generations, particularly to consume their content on mobile devices. And um, I think that's really where we're seeing the growth in the sectors because you've got 25 to 35 year old males in particular consuming audiobooks, using their mobile, using apps, not just audible apps, especially uh, around the world like BookBeat, Kobo, Nextery, Playster, Scrib, Scribed, Storytel, among many others. And that's where they're getting their audiobook or their book fix from uh, rather than reading it. You know, they're, they're listening to it when they're going to school on, on the train or on the bus or they're, they're listening to it when they're commuting to work in their car. That's how they're consuming their content these days. And I think it's important that everybody creates an audiobook version of their, their book if they can to get in front of that audience because it is a growing audience year on years as i previously said so i think does that answer your question or is <laughs> yeah it does i think when we were chatting just before I, the episode i was explaining i created three audiobooks over the past few years the first one i narrated myself and the second two i used acx to find narrators probably made a few mistakes along the way so what would you say are the best practices for a writer who wants to turn their book into an audiobook where, like, where should they start um, well, I think there's two different approaches depending on whether it's fiction or nonfiction. But if you're just going about, the, you know, researching how to go about doing it, I mean, and, and you are intent on hiring a narrator rather than doing it yourself, because doing it yourself is an option. I think that's workable, especially if it's if it's a non-fictional book, because and it's written from your perspective, especially if you've got some expertise about a subject area, like for example yourself, when it comes to, to how to become a writer, then narrating it yourself can really go down well with listeners and, and help sort of enhance your overall brand, as it were, as your personal brand. But that does require a bit of investment because you need to, to to do some training. You'll need to get some coaching to make sure you can actually have the vocal stamina to narrate for hours and hours on end to get the audio recorded. And you're also going to need some some mm. decent equipment. You know, you're going to have to get a professional microphone, you know, make sure your room is actually acoustically treated. And we've got some blogs about this on the Volkwind site if anybody wants to dig into it, but it's, it is quite a, a bit of a time suck and an investment to do that, which is why a lot of people mm. jump onto ACX to, to hire a narrator instead. And I think the thing about ACX, and I think what they do is, is impressive, it's really only open to residents of the U US, UK, Canada, and Ireland from what I've seen. So that can limit your, your scope if you're not one of those countries um, for actually using the service. 
and also they, they try and get you to really get into the exclusivity with them so that you only distribute yeah. your audiobook on Audible, Amazon or iTunes, which can be good if you've done a really amazing job of marketing yourself. If you haven't, then it can also limit the, the scope of your audience by a huge, huge mark, especially if you're intent on maybe speaking to a foreign or non-native English audience as well, because there's a lot of countries such as the Netherlands where Audible don't really even have a presence. They listen to their audiobooks via other platforms. And uh, a lot of these countries are happy to listen to audiobooks in English. You know, you don't have to necessarily translate them. But uh, mm. yeah, as you all know yourself, Brian, uh, you know, Audible, if you go the exclusive route, basically they'll pay you, was it 40%, I think, of uh, you'll get from returns on, on their sales. If you go the non-exclusive route, you're looking at getting 25% on sales. Yeah. So, and also they've been in the news or they were in the news before Christmas for a dispute over royalties, how much they were going to pay to authors whose books were refunded as part of their great listens guarantee and as also as part of a trial that they were offering to, to new subscribers. So when I was using ACX now, I, I did the two options. I did the exclusive option for one book and then for another book, I got a narrator elsewhere and then he edited the files and uploaded them to Audible. So I, just, I tried both options. So if, if I have a book ready for an audiobook, should it be a final manuscript? Because one thing I found while narrating my book is I wanted to change part of the book while narrating it. And also when I gave the manuscript to somebody else to narrate, there was a couple of times where he asked for clarifications on paragraphs in the book. And I didn't realize what the issue was. And my editor actually missed it as well until the narrator came across it. So what would you say to somebody who's facing either of those two issues? Yeah, it's very difficult to because obviously you've just written a book and you want to get it turned into an audiobook as quickly as possible and put onto the, the Audible and Amazon, and Amazon stores, etc. The, the problem with sort of editing it or creating a separate kind of edited version of the audio, an audiobook version is that you couldn't then have it whisper sync or immersion reading kind of synced with the the written or Kindle version of the book, which is one of the one of the benefits of having it on the Audible platform is you get that whisper sync so you can switch between reading it on your Kindle to listening it in your car or an Audible. With immersion reading on on a Fire HD device, it'll highlight the words as they're they're read. So that that's one thing you can miss if you don't just record the the narration as it is word for word in the book. So having a final manuscript with that re- regard would be the best bet, obviously. But as you probably realized when you were doing your your books, what's written on a page doesn't necessarily sound great when it's read. Um, and sometimes you, you discover little issues with the written word that you've already published that you want to fix with the audiobook version. And in those cases, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a... I mean, I've encountered this on every single audiobook project. There's always a back and forth with the author and the narrator to just highlight and flag these things as you go through it because it's impossible to sort of have everything completely finished at the start you're always going to have little niggles here and there as, as you go through that's good to know so it wasn't it wasn't just me and i was thinking of um a book by gary vaynerchuk when you were describing whisper sync because he, he goes on a monologue for some of the book or the audiobook and i'm pretty sure it's not in the book. <laughs> oh really because <laughs> i think he was speaking off the cuff so i don't think he's got whisper sync <laughs> for that book okay so so just go back then to your, your tip then so it's good to know that i'm not the only person who made those mistakes so I, i'm getting ready to work with a narrator and I'm ready to look for a narrator on on your service or elsewhere. What should be my criteria or how do I go about finding an ideal narrator? Well, I think there's a couple of things to do just before that. Just I was just going to touch on it. And one of the things that I, I find that a lot of authors miss out on, when, especially with fictional books, 
is having character descriptions. So if you've got a fictional book with lots of characters in it, like a fantasy or, you know, young adult book with lots of characters in it, you know, just preparing a document with a, with a list of the characters' names and, you know, what their age is, what their gender is, what their likes and dislikes are, can be massively helpful to the narrator as a reference because what an expert narrator will do is that when they're doing a pass on the book, as soon as they discover a new character, they'll they'll create the voice and then record it and kind of keep a note of that, a record of that voice so that they can refer back to it later. Because it could be chapters or thousands of words before that character comes into play again. And they, they'll often forget how they sound. So they have to make a record of it as they go to make sure it's consistent. And that's what you'll find with all the big sort of fantasy or you know fictional books is they'll They'll have sometimes 150 plus characters in the book that all need slightly unique variations in the voice. And just having those character descriptions up front is a big help. But when it comes to then the contacting narrators and you know how to reach out to narrators, a lot of it's going to come down to how you're going to market your book as well. I mean, if you're, if you're very much just going to be publishing it on Amazon, iTunes, Audible, then Going the ACX route kind of makes sense to a degree because it's it's all there. You know, they kind of they'll all be recording to those standards and, and feed it straight into the system. But they don't say no if you've got the audio already. So if you go out and find your own voice on either a freelance platform or a platform like Vocoint where we actually manage the production, then there's nothing wrong with that. They're still going to accept the audio. In fact, in many cases, I would say narrators themselves are not engineers. You know, most of them have to go in some kind of course to learn how to edit the audio. And that's not going to compare to somebody like one of our producers who's done, you know, four or five years at university on music tech <laughs> and, you know, knows inside out how to, to edit an audio file. But, you know, these days it is definitely a lot easier. You know, narrators have got a lot of tools that they can use to just record the narration and then strip out very quickly any sibilance, background noises, pops and clicks. And that's kind of half the battle. Mm really and that's that's what takes up a lot of the time but uh yeah yeah i think i think i'm um, sorry you went to ask them no just when you said pops and clicks that was an issue when i was listening to proofs of one of the audiobooks and we had to go back and get some of those taken out so if, when i'm listening to a narrator record a sample for the audiobook how do i pick a specific narrator what are any criteria that i should use yeah i mean that's a really open question um i think it really depends on I often like to reverse that to who do you think your audience is? How old are they? You know, where are they based? What are their interests? What's their education level? And if you kind of come up with a, a bit like what you do when you're doing a marketing campaign, you're trying to decide who you're speaking to here. Think of one person you're speaking to and who would go down the best with them. And that's kind of who you want to focus on. So, you know, for example, for a business to business kind of non-fictional book, you're probably going to want to choose somebody who sounds fairly authoritative, mature, that's going to go down with potentially a business audience that is not, you know, expecting somebody to sound super hyped every time they read a section of, of, of the text. They just want somebody who sounds like they know what they're talking about. Whereas for a fictional book, you're going to want to go after somebody who's clearly can demonstrate versatility, can act, because voiceover is acting, it's a performance. And even just doing a straight narration as a form of acting, the really good narrators out there will quickly build themselves up to be earning quite significant amounts of money for doing audiobooks. And that's just why you still get celebrities like Stephen Fry narrating books, because people buy them and his voice is so well regarded and so well known that people can't wait for his next his next book to come out. So, so a lot of indie authors wouldn't have the budget for a Stephen Fry. How much did they budget for their audiobook? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I think it, it it comes down to obviously your own personal you know circumstances. But I think you've got to, 
first of all, just to qualify that question, you've got to think about what, how much work is required to, to record an audiobook and to edit it. Because a lot of people think about, I've got, say my, audio, my book is, I don't know, 20, 30,000 words, quite a short book. You know, that's going to equate to anything like three to five hours of audio content, potentially, at the end of it, depending on how quickly they read. And to create that much content, you know, to, to record an hour's worth of content uh, with one professional narrator, which is maybe about seven and a half thousand to ten thousand words, it's going to take you know a really experienced narrator probably three hours of recording time plus another hour or two of editing, and a not so experienced narrator is probably going to take an entire day to record that, and probably even another day to do the editing. Because what you'll find is that the more experienced the narrator, the quicker they can get the narration recorded without mistakes. So they make less mistakes and therefore there's a lot less editing to do once they've done the recording work. So just to qualify that the reason that I think a lot of people think, okay, I've got 60 minutes of content, it's going to take 60 minutes to record. It doesn't. It usually takes about three times the the length to just to get the recording done and about the same time again to edit it on top of that. So 60 minutes of content is really about six hours of work for a professional to do. Yeah, that's quite. That's yeah, quite possibly a lot. more. So then, this is where you get the whole the rates on on ACX and and other uh, platforms. They often pay the narrators on a per finished hour basis, so per finished hour of content, and that is a little bit unfair to the narrators and to some extent because that doesn't really take into account what's involved in the performance. Because performing lots of characters for a fantasy book, for example, is a lot more work than it is just to read out a you know a non fictional text. Yeah, the per, the per finished hour rate doesn't necessarily reflect that, and obviously all the all the the preparation and, and editing time that they have to do. But um, you know, a, a less experienced narrator would probably earn anything between fifty to two hundred dollars per finished hour. You know, I've seen fifty dollar rates, but that's really low. I mean, that's like asking somebody to work for less than minimum wage here in the UK generally. So you kind of get what you pay for. If you're paying that lower rate, you're not going to get somebody who's very experienced. Um, the mid-level or mid-to-high-level kind of experience of narrators will generally charge about three hundred to four hundred dollars per finished hour, and beyond. You know, the more experience they get, the more they can they can charge if they're especially if they're in high demand. But mm-hmm. like even even at four hundred dollars per finished hour, still not that high a rate when you think about how many hours you have to spend actually recording and editing that because uh, that finished you know divide that that sum by by six, and you're kind of getting how many hours the hourly rate that they're getting paid. And that's not really taking into account any royalties that they probably won't get either, because in most cases they, they don't get royalties for for doing iterations. So yeah, that's got that's a good point for the the writer as well. Like you're getting a finished asset that you will have and be able to sell hopefully for years to come. Yeah, well that's it. Yeah, it becomes a digital asset that you've now got, and you can you can earn from it for the lifetime of that asset. And I think a lot of um, writers, if they can build up their own marketing and their own kind of audience using their you know their their own website and uh, their own sort of blogs as well, then that's a really good way for them to then publish their audiobooks and, and sell them. Mm. So they don't necessarily have to do it through these other platforms. I've seen authors actually use Audible or Amazon to maybe publish a book or like a, a sort of introduction book almost. And then they'll have, that'll be somewhere that you can then learn more about them and then go to their website and then you can buy their courses and such like. And, and that's how you, you really kind of generate, you're, you're using it as a lead generation tool rather than you know a place to make your general income from, from selling the books, if you like. Yeah, that works quite well for nonfiction. So I've picked my narrator. 
and now I'm going to work with this person. Uh, we've agreed in a contract. Is the next step to send him a PDF of my book? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, once you've got the kind of perfinished hour rate agreed and, uh, you know, you've agreed a, a time scale, because obviously that's important. Um, how frequently are they going to deliver you chapters? Because it, it's usually best for the, the narrator to record it chapter by chapter and send it to you as they go. Unless, of course, you want them to save it all uh, to, the, to near the end or you do, they do half. But I think that can take it, end up taking longer because uh, if you notice something wrong, you know, right at the start, then you want to jump on it straight away to make sure they don't make the same mistake repeatedly, especially if it's a, you know, they've mispronounced how somebody's name should be said or something like that. So once the, you've given them the PDF and if it's a, a fictional book, you've given them character descriptions, you, you want them to probably record a chapter, send it to you so you can, you can approve it. But obviously with ACX, if, if you used ACX or you've used another service like Hero Volquent, we'll it will happily organize editions for you. So if you've got a, you know your book and you want to send it to us, we'll go out to suitable narrators, get them to read you know, a, a chapter from the book or, or if it's a long chapter, a couple of pages at least, so you can you can hear their, their voice before you're, you ask them to go ahead. So it's always much better to hear them read your text than it is just to hear you know, a, a generic kind of demo, I would say, for an audio book. But once you're happy with that, obviously, it's just a case of them getting on with recording it and sending it to you chapter by chapter. And the other thing, the other important thing is to make sure that you get somebody to check the audio because although the, the narrators will do their best to, to meet the standards that are you know required of platforms like ACX and Amazon, I would still hire an engineer just to, to clean it up further because they'll spot things that the narrator themselves wouldn't spot. And whether you do that through a service like Volquent or you go and hire your own freelance engineer, uh, I would highly recommend that you do that just to make sure that the audio is top-notch because if the audio is subpar, I've listened to lots of audiobooks where the audio is is not that great and it really does put you off listening to any more stuff from that author. It, it just it makes you think, yeah. you know, they're not that professional. You know, it's that subconscious kind of <laughs> feeling that you get. So, so it's really important. Um, especially when you're investing all that time and effort and money into, into making it, you know, get, get the audio as top notch as you can. When I was recording or working on my last audiobook, I mentioned some Irish names in the book and the narrator mispronounced them. So I recorded the correct pronunciation and sent it over to him. Are there any other steps or best practices that an author can use to give feedback to the narrator about their audiobook? Well, that that is a, a brilliant one because we get this all the time in voiceover. We're often sent scripts, and it's not always clear how things should be pronounced, especially if it's an unusual, you know, or unfamiliar. I should say, not necessarily unusual, but unfamiliar to the to the narrator because the, the narrators are not necessarily going to be savvy with your industry or with the genre of book that they're reading. So, the, as much you know, preparation materials you can provide them with, the the better. You know, if you've got. Uh, even just a, a reference link to the web somewhere if it's to do with a, a specific type of business or, or world or whatever it is that you can provide, and that's really helpful. But what you did recording, you know, the actual names and how they should be pronounced is, is really, really helpful. Uh, I did a, a Scottish romance, I produced a Scottish romance book a, about a year or two ago, uh, kind of in the theme of Outlander <laughs> uh, uh, kind of style, you know, romantic Scottish uh, uh, novel and there was a lot of names in that as well that the narrator wasn't sure about and they were Scottish <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> but uh, but yeah so this is going to come up and um, the, the biggest thing is not to be you know not, not to be too critical of the narrator just because they didn't know it um, you've got to treat them like they yeah. you know they don't, they don't know anything if you, if you treat them like they don't know anything and you give them as much of the material as possible then then you're good yeah it was, it was interesting you mentioned an audio engineer I, I didn't actually consider that the last time I did one, so maybe I'll bear that in mind next time. 
Are there any other issues that I should look out for when I get sample chapters back from the narrator? I think the consistency is the biggest one, uh, making sure that the audio doesn't jump up and down too much in volume. And I mean, that shouldn't be the case anyway with, with the, you know, the compression. If they put a little bit of compression on the audio as it, when they're doing the recording, there should be very little problems. That will kind of even the whole tone out. But, you know, sometimes, especially if they're getting into character, the, the, the narrator might lean back in their chair and the chair goes, <laughs> uh, you know, or, or they go to, to, to speak in a slightly different tone of voice, like they're whispering and maybe their mic technique isn't great because they're, they, they're quite yeah. new to the industry and they don't lean forward to the microphone and speak like this rather than some, you know, some people just don't, they don't have enough experience to realize that they need to do that to, to keep the tone even. And uh, yeah, it's little things like that that you can easily spot. But obviously, if somebody's recorded a full chapter and you're going back to them and saying, hey, "Don't like any of this," and um, there's, there's a problem, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and you know maybe they're not the right person to do to do the book at all. And sometimes, uh, you know, I would say it's better just to cut your losses and, and pay them for the work they've done and just just find somebody else if that, that ever happens. Yeah, I guess I guess that's why the screening process is so important to listen to their sample narration. Is that yeah? I mean, and on Volquent, we we try and make that really easy because a lot a lot of the voiceover platforms you get um, showreels, so you, you'll hear like a showreel with a, a bunch of different you know demos in there. Maybe they're reading a commercial or a video game character or a comedy kind of read back to back. At Volquent, we we don't do showreels. We we have every audio sort of. Every audio file we, we represent is in one distinct style tone. And um, that means that if you're looking for a narration style uh, on Volquent, they're all going to be generally in the audiobook realm. And we've even gone as far as it's not live on the site yet, but it will be in a, in a few months. You'll be able to filter by uh, genre of audiobook. So if you're looking for somebody who specializes in you know, romance or young adult fiction or horror, then it's going to make it easier to find expert voices that, that do that kind of stuff so yeah you have plenty of opportunity to listen to their demos listen to as many demos as you can because you get a really good feel for what their capability is by doing that and then i would say you want to shortlist a handful of people five or six voices as a shortlist is a good is a good group good amount getting more than that it will become very difficult for you to start deciding between them if you go out and get additions from, uh, you know, 30 different voices, some of them are going to sound very much the same and it's going to be kind of difficult for you to, to tell which ones you like the best. And I would say you're better just focusing on, on getting six quality additions rather than, you know, 30, 40, 50. I've seen some sites where <laughs> people are getting 100 plus additions for their audiobook project. I mean, how do you, how do you decide? How do you have the time to listen through all that? Yeah, that's completely overwhelming. <laughs> Too many choices. <laughs> exactly. So I think, I think just getting, getting some good additions and then, you know, once you've found somebody you really like, the next step, I, I would say, is to, to agree kind of what the timeline would be and check what equipment they've got as well. You know, actually check, ask them, you know, what's their microphone? What's their preamp? What recording software do they use? Because if you find somebody that's using a USB microphone, which is fine for podcasting, then I, I wouldn't be that happy because for audiobooks, it's, it's not great. You know, you're going to want to use uh, ideally a, a condenser microphone, which is a lot more sensitive, picks up a lot more subtleties in the voice, uh, and they're going to need a, a properly acoustic environment for that. You know, and most voices that are working at home have got a dedicated room to do the recordings or they've got like a cupboard or something that they've kitted out. So ask them what other material they've, they've voiced, you know, what other audiobooks have they narrated. Uh, somebody's narrated... Um, dozens of other audiobooks, you know that you're probably going to be fine. 
um, because they've got some experience. But if you're you're going after somebody um, who's very much a beginner to do it, then you've got to you've got to give them, you know, a lot lot more support and and kind of you're probably going to have to put up with with less uh, good quality audio, uh, and um, you're going to need a bit more time. I would say polishing that up from from an audio engineering perspective, making sure you've got somebody you can you can go to 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 get some some advice on that. So. So to go back then to the delivery, the narrator has sent over the corrections and is that the final step? Am I now ready to publish? Uh, well, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, that's kind of where my job generally ends. Uh, you know, once we've we've sent over the audio to the author, it's kind of then up to them to decide what they're going to do with it um, once they've accepted it. And um, if they're happy with it, obviously they've done a final listen, they're happy. Generally, that's when the, when the final payment is made to the narrator and, and our, our kind of involvement in, in the job is, 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 is finished. But, uh, you know, so I don't really know much beyond, you know, how to go about how to go about marketing that or what, what to do do with that. I've got lots of ideas myself because that's generally what I do for Roquin. But because I haven't done it myself, I wouldn't be able to, to advise like what the next steps are to actually getting that onto to Audible. But I know they've got like an approval process where you submit your, your audio and you kind of have to wait for, for them to... To, to check it and put it on the platform, don't you? So, yeah, the last time I used it, it, it took a couple of weeks for that process to happen. But um, yeah, for me, that was the next step. I was just curious: was there anything perhaps I'd missed? No, I, th- I think you're you're spot on with what what you did. Um, I think the only thing you probably benefit from doing it again is uh, maybe I don't know, taking some more time to listen to to and choose the, the right narrators and, and get some more engineering on the audio yeah. at the end. Because a couple of engineers that work for, for us here at Volquin are just like I mean, office. I trained as a sound engineer myself, but you know, I've not done any engineering work for like twenty years. I'm very much on the business and marketing side of, of things now. <laughs> so when I, you know, send stuff to them and they listen to it, um, they're just like, "Oh, you should have done this and you should have done that," and <laughs> they, you know, they make it sound so much better. Basically, um, so it is worth paying for an engineer to, to, to look at it. And also, one thing that a lot of authors don't consider is is music and sound effects. Having some some music, library music, or some sound effects can make a difference, as long as you can get the, the license to, to to publish it in your book. Obviously, you have to make sure that the license covers that. But um, in most cases, mm-hmm. the, the music libraries you can use the music for anything. And um, ha- having a little bit of music um, sometimes at the start or the end of chapters can be a really nice way to enhance the mood or or, or just get people engaged again. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. Nice polish. One last question. So I'm probably going to narrate my next book myself. I have a USB mic, but if I was to get a, cond- I have a blue blue Yeti, which is quite popular, but if I was to get a condenser mic, any recommendations? Yeah, I mean, the, the blue Yeti is probably the best uh, USB mic that I've come across. And it, and it definitely, it would probably be audiobook narration, but I think if you really want to get that sense of depth in your voice, you're going to want to go for a condenser mic and the, and the Focusrite um, Scarlet Solo is a really good place to start. It's not expensive. Um, I think it's like you know, two hundred pounds or something like that, or sort of roughly two, two, three hundred dollars. So it's not, it's not expensive. It's very much a starter kind of condenser microphone. But it comes usually the pack comes with headphones and it comes with the preamp as well. So you just plug your mic in and plug it directly into your computer via USB, and you're and you're good to go. You can use it straight away. The only thing you're gonna, <laughs> the other thing you're gonna need to do is make sure your room's treated. Um, which is the thing that most people miss because the thing with a condenser microphone, it's so sensitive is it will pick up absolutely everything. And um, to reduce the reflections that come back to the microphone, which creates this horrible kind of echo sound, um, you're going to want to make sure you've, you've surrounded your, your recording environment with, you know, it could be 
duvets, pillows, towels. One common thing that people miss is treating the ceiling, making sure the ceiling's got something on it as well, because that's that causes a lot of reflections. But uh, yeah, just surrounding yourself with a duvet fort, as they like to call it, is, is a good place to start if you don't have the, the, the funds to sort of buy acoustic tiles and make it look all very professional. That isn't actually needed because it's just it's just a case of, of making it uh, non-reflective as possible when it comes to the sound. And that's really just taking away all the hard surfaces that there is in, in the room. Okay, it's good, good tips. Al, where can people find more information about you or your services? Uh, well, they can go to vocuent.com and um, they can instantly browse voice actor demos. We don't close the site off, so you can just go on there and start browsing demos of voices and shortlist voices you like. And if you if you have got an audiobook project, you can just make an inquiry through the platform and we'll uh, one of our producers will be in touch with you um, to uh, sort everything out. I mean, we generally, the way we work is we'll set up a direct relationship between you and the narrator once the casting process is out of the way. And we take 20% of the narrator's fee. It's very transparent. So whatever you've agreed to pay the narrator, we'll take 20% of it. And um, if you want any additional services for, you know, proofread, sort of checking the, the audio and editing the audio, we can we can quote for that at the same time if it's something you want to consider. But um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. And people can connect with me on LinkedIn as well if they want. Um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. My name's Al Black. Okay, and that's V-O-Q-U-E-N-T for anybody who's listening. But thanks for your time, Al. Thank you very much, Brian. Been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store or sharing the show on Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you're listening. More reviews, more ratings and more shares will help more people find the Become a Writer Today podcast. And did you know for just a couple of dollars a month, you could become a Patreon for the show? Visit patreon.com forward slash become a writer today or look for the support button in the show notes. Your support will help me record, produce and publish more episodes each month. And if you become a Patreon, I'll give you my writing books, discounts on writing software and on my writing courses. Thank you.